Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? And today we're going to talk about the Oregon Senate walkout. This is something that's going on currently right now as we speak. We try not to be too topical in our podcasts because we never know when people are going to listen to them. But I think this is something that's making national news and it's kind of important to uh, to talk about while it's still fresh. I think when you get to the point when the BBC is covering the Oregon State Senate, <laughs> it gets a little bit more than, ah, the local flavor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and real quick, you're not wrong, but who are you, mystery third person? I am a duck and mystery. No, I'm I'm Xander Almeida. I was on here a couple episodes ago. That's true. Thanks for coming back, Xander. Yeah, thanks for having me on such short notice. <laughs> we, we trusted you to introduce yourself, so that is a that's a high bar. We've had elected officials on there that we don't trust to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, so. I'd like to announce my candidacy. No. Um, <laughs> God, so, no. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the last couple of weeks, uh, what happened is the Republicans in the Oregon Senate have left the state. And this is over a bill called House Bill 2020, which is the cap and trade bill. And they are leaving not so much in protest, but as the only available way that they have left as the super minority to delay the passage of this bill. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the key phrase there is of interest for our listeners who are less politically nerdy than we are or just from outside of the state of Oregon is Republicans are in a super minority in both the state house and the state senate and there's just not a lot of clubs in the bag that they got they've you know I maybe we can just go ahead and get into this is like I feel like they've done a halfway decent job of trying to contribute stuff this session but I don't know that the Democrats have met them halfway. Oh, I don't think the Democrats need to and they know they don't need to and I think that is what has caused this walkout is in order for in most legislative bodies, listeners, in order for anything to pass, you need what's called a quorum and a quorum is a minimal amount of legislators in a body that you have to have present in order to even have a vote. And so it is a time-honored tradition if you are a super minority and you're getting steamrolled is just to not allow a quorum to happen which is when you go and just don't show up. Because if you don't have, well, I think in Oregon's what, 19 or 20? 20. 20. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the Democrats have 19, 18. Eight, 18. 18. So they need 12. at least two Republicans to go show up in order to actually even have any votes whatsoever, period. And so this is the only option that Republicans currently have because the Democrats know they don't really have to negotiate with them, nor have they been. And the 20 votes is in the Oregon Constitution. So I've mentioned before that I sit on the board of the building that we're currently sitting in. And for our annual meetings, we have a quorum of 20%. So there is, are different levels of quorum. Quorum doesn't really mean two-thirds. It doesn't mean three-fifths. It doesn't mean 10%. It depends on what is defined in the governing documents of wherever you are. So what this goes to say, a lot of what I've been seeing online is a lot of hatred for the Republicans of, come back, do your job, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? This is a legitimate parliamentary procedure that was enshrined in the Constitution. Otherwise, they would have made the quorum 10, you know? 
Very true. And, uh, you know, and again, I think it like it comes back to Cliff Bentz, a state senator from Eastern Oregon from a town called Ontario, I think is where he's he's living. He had a bill that was, you know, not climate change deniery. You know, Republicans get accused of that all the time. And it's like, no, uh, no, we're not that. The, this is that has nothing to do with the reasons why the right opposes this bill that's working its way through HB 2020 that the denying of the quorum has led to the halting of. And now as of at least yesterday, or I think the day before, this is Thursday night, June 27th, I think, that we're recording this. And yesterday morning, the the Senate president said the Democrats don't have the vote. Now, if if this is for realsies, or if this is just a ploy to be like, well, we can't pass it, I guess the Republicans can come back Maybe you should come back and do your job (laughs) so I can lock the doors! Whoa, it's a bait and switch! So that's, it. like, it seems like the Republicans can at least see through that play, and they're trying to wait for more assurances. But from what I understand... Uh, at least one or a couple of them have come back to Oregon and a couple of them have said that they've left Idaho. So some or all of them are back here in the state. So it looks like they might be getting ready to to take up business again soon. Well, Idaho's not that far away. I mean, you could get there in a day. Anyway. Or you could fly in an hour. Or fly an hour. Yeah, exactly. Brings me to another interesting point. So this is not the first time the Senate senators have walked out this session. They pulled a similar stunt back in May to block both the there was a gun bill and the vaccination bill that we talked about last time or two times ago whenever we yeah this. <laughs> Xander anyway. was made a facial expression that looked very strained I mean in my mind the Senate Republicans went and decided to throw away two of their core values in order to go and appease a popular unscientific trend instead and it was very irritating to watch I'm not going to hashtag real <laughs> Hashtag real talk right there. Real talk. That's you know what I'm okay with some gun rights being stripped and taxes being raised as long as I can go and align myself with the uh, anti-science Portland liberal anti-vax moms. Boom. That's yeah. yeah, And what are you doing? What are you? Well, and 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 that's it, right? Because like I honestly, when when the Senate Republicans did this the first time this session, I was a little kind of upset because it's like this is you know this is really the thing that you're like. They this, came back to pass a $2.7 billion tax hike, and they gave away the, the, the vaccine bill. The Democrats were like, all right, I guess we won't vote on the vaccine bill and the gun bill, but we're still going to raise your taxes by $2.7 billion. Like, if you're going to do something this dramatic that you know will get national and international news if the BBC is covering this, why waste it on something like that? But now, but this time... This is a real legitimate bill. This is a huge cost to the state of Oregon. And now I'm like, heck yeah, man, stay away. I mean, I would just say, you know, we talked in private about hills to die on. Uh, being against vaccines will make that hill uh, a hill to actually die on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Xander's got the first Fair funny point. of the night. <laughs> That's legit. That's funny. hard to climb down a hill with polio. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. (laughs) So a leaked document that the Willamette Week came across is the actual memorandum of understanding that was signed between the Republicans and the Democrats to get them back into the Senate the first time. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I have not. uh, Memorandum of understanding. There are six things. First, Senate Republicans will not walk out again during the 2019 regular legislative session ending June 30th. Yeah, right. Which ends in a day. (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly, like this weekend. Two, Senate Republicans will return to the Capitol on Monday, May 13th. Three, House Bill 3063 dies in the 2019 regular session. That is the 
Oh, this was bill. the first one. Okay, that was the first one. Yeah, yeah this is the first one. And which House bill was that? That was the vaccine 30, bill. Got it. 3063. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, Senate Bill 978 dies for the regular session. I assume that's the gun bill. Here's the one that's interesting. Number five, House Bill 2020 gets a reset. As we talked about before, new bill number, Senator Bentz is at the table and is included in the process. Oh, interesting. That was a condition of the Republicans not walking out again. Was that this so got a new what you're number. saying is that Republicans agreed to not walk out so long as the Democrats agreed to the terms which were laid out, and then they went and decided to go and not agree to the terms that, that were laid out, which seems to free the Republicans from any kind of... Uh, Contractual liability. Contractual obligation to yeah. not do that again. Pretty much. So this would have been... C'est très intéressant. Sorry, drinking French wine. I apologize. <laughs> do you know French? Oui. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, I've never thought to ask you that before because I'm trying to learn. We gotta, we'll have a separate podcast. All right. I'll say. <laughs> so the way that Willamette Week, the, that Willamette Week, gosh, maybe I need to stop drinking. I've, I've only had two sips. Or drink way more. I <laughs> can't speak properly. Uh, the way that Willamette Week spun this was the Republicans agreed not to walk out again, and they are breaking that promise. Which I'm like, did you you linked to the actual thing that was signed? Did you not read all the <laughs> way to number five? Your own hyperlink. I'm like, sorry, I get tired after four. <laughs> yeah, like, you look. got you got to one and then stopped reading. You like you got to read the rest of the memo anyway. This, this is the local. Uh, outstanding journalism we had here in portland i actually i'll take umbrage with that because like for as much as people on the right kind of unload on willy week like i think they do do a good job of some reporting and nigel jockless won a pulitzer or something yeah like for that. his coverage on goldschmidt yeah like he's done he also helped kill the crc which if nothing else god bless you sir <laughs> crc god bless you sir the Columbia River crossing. Oh. You know, the boondoggle in which uh, Oregon Democrats spent $300 million on a bridge and got like a few pylons and that was it. Oh, that one. Thanks, Democrats. Thanks, Democrats. <laughs> you know, I didn't need that $300 million. <laughs> Should we uh, go on the list of the things the Democrats have spent money on? Another there's, episode. There's, there's Another that, episode. There's the the Cover Oregon. It's half a billion dollars oh, just up uh, in smoke. Well, yeah. Um, I, I there's the prison up in, up that they Wapato, were going to, yeah. the Wapato prison. Uh, you know, we this should just link, link a, uh, just link a gift to like the Joker lighting all that mo- money on fire and, <laughs> and be like, you're sl- your state legislature at work, ladies and gentlemen. Just, <laughs> just, uh, what a good movie. I listened to a podcast about that movie like a week ago. So good. I admittedly live in a little bit of a bubble chamber of Republicans here in the Portland, Oregon area, like all six of us. And this is the. <laughs> <laughs> careful xander <laughs> no nobody spit wine anyway but the, like this is what everybody kept saying i was like look if the democrats would have let cliff bence at the table this whole thing could have been avoided and there's part of me that believed that and then there's part of me that's like i wonder if this is just the spin that like people put on this but it's like it's right there in black and white the democrats went back and reneged on this and now it's like well what did you think was going to happen well, and it's also not like having Senator Benz's input would have put any more giant holes in the bill that is currently standing right now for all of the industries that Democrats carved out giant CRC-sized caveats for in order to make sure that their buddies didn't get hit by it. You know, OPB did a pretty phenomenal deep dive into uh, HB 2020, and they were, they just went like, it's not great legislation, and they're neutral arbit- arbit- arbiters in this, and they just went, here are all like the giant 
cutouts for the industries that tend to favor Democrats that are in this bill, and yet the Republicans are the bad guys. Like, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> just Because they were getting so much pushback from industry that they had to cut these people out in order to get their support. Yeah. So Quick. who ends up paying? The people who don't have access to those lobbying dollars. Quick little side note to listeners. Please don't stop this and go listen to OPB. Listen to that podcast after we're done. Because <laughs> we also, we are deep, deeply diving, I guess would be a, an appropriate term. In the as much as can be done, I guess. As much as can be done. I feel like this would have been a great opportunity. You know, we've never had rational Democrat on this podcast, but <laughs> I would have loved to hear the opinion of somebody. And we could have just asked him, be like, look, this was clearly in black and white there were six things that were each like a sentence long y'all didn't hold up your end of the bargain what did you think was going to happen on this because this like that seemed like a no-brainer like the republicans knew exactly what was going to happen the democrats agreed to it and signed it and now here we are and now you know kate brown is sending state troopers after everybody and that's my brother lives in dallas and he texted he was just like oh, i can't believe what these guys are doing and it's like well what would you do i mean like if, if you had an objectively bad bill and the only way that you can stop it was to just to go hang out in boise for a couple of days or whatever wherever those guys were and guys and gals what else would you do you have no other die to cast So that actually brings to the next point. This is actually what is causing all the national and and actually international news is the statement by Senator Brian Boquist. So I'm not going to try and put the audio in here, but... We're not that good at podcasting. We apologize. (laughs) Just Google it. (laughs) Basically, what he said was in response to Governor Brown sending state troopers to bring these 11 Republicans back. Uh, which, by the way, she is legally allowed to do. There was nothing illegal about sending Oregon State troopers about after the legislators. Throughout the state of Oregon, at least. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't have jurisdiction outside the state. But his statement was, if you come after me, you had better send bachelors and come heavily armed because I'm not going to be a political prisoner in the state of Oregon. It's just that simple. And that's just to spell it out. Why do we suppose he said better send bachelors my taking of this was explicitly because if you send out people who it's basically because death will happen i'd rather not leave um widows and orphans widows and kids yeah exactly which is a that's that's dark to me is the more i'll just say appalling part of the statement like he's saying people will die and and, and for, for those listeners who don't know he's a green beret yeah he is a heavily he knows what trained, he's doing. And I assume heavily armed person that has specialized training. He could do it if he wanted to. Yeah. Which is like, that's messed up. Just straight up like, that's messed up. I'm still hoping it's hyperbole. I mean, hyperbole nothing... should not be that way. That's agreed. That's agreed. I'm hoping it is rhetoric and it is hyperbole. We live in a world for the last two and a half years where hyperbole and rhetoric has kind of become the name of the game when it comes to politics thank you mr trump i'm hoping that's what he meant and was not actually meaning so so as of this recording on the 27th uh, nothing's nothing bad has come from that other than just sort of general outrage and well and a notion of shock that you would have a sitting state senator volunteering that he will go and murder sworn officers right no matter what way you look at it it's it's dark it's disturbing uh, and, and I think just should be condemned on all sides, even if it's a joke. You can make jokes that are not funny, not appropriate, and just basically borderline frightening. Well, and yeah, and I like there has to be a way to 
effectively communicate to your constituents that you are serious about this issue, because I think most of the right and maybe some of the center, maybe some of the left here in Oregon is opposed to HB 2020 and is interested in it's not becoming law. It was going to pass the House. That's a fait accompli. This was the only chance it could have to be stopped. You can just say that. You can just say it's a bad bill. We can't have this pass. This is the only thing we can do. We're peacing out to Idaho. To insinuate that you will take the lives of police, which, uh, you know, we Republicans up until 45 minutes ago were like, (laughs) (laughs) we we were the Blue Lives Matter party. We were the support local cops, you know, all this, that, and the other thing. And it's like law and justice. Yeah, that's that used to be our thing until like a day ago. Again, threatening to murder police from a legal act by the governor. It's not like she was doing something illegal. If she were, I could maybe understand the statement a little more. Still wouldn't like it, but I could have understood it a little bit more. But again, what they're doing is perfectly legal. And what she ordered the police to do is perfectly legal. Exactly. And if two perfectly legal things are happening... Two chess moves on a board... Although I, I don't know. You could probably argue the don't shoot up of the board not showing up, but <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's like whoa. Uh, we can say what we will about Brian Bogus, and we just did. But, <laughs> but Brian, I, Brian's never coming on the podcast. Yeah, now. probably probably not not a get for rational Republicans. Are you There's, saying he's not rational? <laughs> I, we'll put that to maybe, him. Maybe Senator, if you want to come on the show, if you want to be rational. Come on, I we got we got really good wine here in James's apartment. We'll have you as a guest. But it, it to me, this speaks to a larger sense of like this is what rhetoric is for elected officials in 2019. Like these are the types of things you have to say to convey to your constituents that like, hey, I'm serious about this. I, and it's not enough for me to just say I'm serious. I'm going to leave the state so we can't vote on this. You have to insinuate murder. Yeah, which is like that's way beyond where rhetoric has been in the last 10, 15, 20 years. That's beyond Trump style rhetoric. Brian Boquist is more Trumpy than Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this kind of harkens back to me like the insane uh, leftist radicalism of, say, the 1970s in which they weren't also just saying actions, they were having actions. I don't know if you guys are aware that it, from like 1970 to 74, we averaged about five domestic terrorist bombings a day in this country. Seriously? Mm. There was like over 4,000 like in the early 1970s. Wow. And in addition to that, too, you had heavily armed leftist movements that were, again, threatening revolution. Now, I'd rather not be the party that does it on the other side. You know, when we start having people like Patriot Prayer and the three percenters showing up, you know, armed to the frickin' teeth at the state capitol building, that gets a little bit disturbing to me, especially because, okay, in this particular instance, we actually did not, those Oregon senators did not support them. But in previous instances, certain county parties have embraced them with open arms. This actually brings up an interesting point. Um, we had talked kind of offline about the three percenters. And so I was not super familiar with them. So I did what any, you know, 2019 millennial would do and i looked them up so did it make you sad inside (laughs) what are the three percenters from their own website so they have an about about us section on their website and very convenient so let me back up a second wikipedia describes them as a militia an american militia group they themselves the first paragraph is sort of introductory the first sentence of the second paragraph we are not a militia (laughs) I okay. don't think they know what that word means, and that's fine. 
Probably first, not English majors either. It's fine. The first, <laughs> the first sentence of the second paragraph. Third paragraph. We are third paragraph. Excuse me. We are not anti-government. The first <laughs> sentence <laughs> of the fourth paragraph. We do not seek to incite a revolution. Um, <laughs> well, so I when, have notes. When that is the the first <laughs> thing. The first sentence of each paragraph of your About Us section. And so so this was the joke that I made to you. If you're at a dinner party and you meet your spouse's coworker for the first time, and he walks up to you and he says, Hi, my name is Mark. The thing about me is I will never steal your car. Like, <laughs> you're... Also, I'm not a rapist, just so you know. Yeah, like, I just want to tell you. I just Jesus, want to put this out there. who is this guy? <laughs> like, yeah, like, the first thing that your mind does is just like, why would he say that? <laughs> why why would you take pains to point that out? I was going to assume that about you like if you and yeah now and I have some questions. Right, yeah, like I man I got some follow-ups. And yeah, it's like if, if if this is what you write on your and not just like this is the lead, this is the first sentence of each of their four about me paragraphs is like yeah. look, not anti-government, not revolutionary, not a militia. If this is the first thing as you're introducing yourself to John Q. Public, whoever's reading your website, yeah, I got some follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless I don't like to go into the inside people's own domestic squabbles, but I mean, the amount of people in the three percenters that have been involved in white supremacy, in neo-Nazism, and fascism, and the copious amounts of domestic violence is enough to make me go, ah. Just to put it out there for... Uh, for anybody who might not know, what is a three percenter? I believe their name comes from the fact that only three percent of the people during the American Revolutionary War volunteered to be part of the armed services in the uprising against the British Empire. I believe that is where the term comes from. It is also not true, but that's also fine. Xander did that without Google, y'all. Be impressed. Nice work. I've been up on them for a while, and I know what you're doing. <laughs> so what they've <laughs> what they've done locally. <laughs> is, quote, provide security for certain events. And so that's what they were going to do for the senators, is they offered to, quote, provide security, which basically drive them around heavily armed and make sure that... Because they're not a militia group. Because they're not a militia group. <laughs> so what they've done, they they also, I was reading about them, they showed up to the <laughs> Malheur uh, National Wildlife Refuge. Y'all remember that from Armed to the back. teeth. Armed to the, the teeth. Because they're not a militia group. Quick, uh, TLDR, what is Malheur for any of our listeners? Malheur, yeah. So this was, what, like a year ago? I think it was 2016, early 2016. Wow. Yeah, it was, Time flies. Time flies God. when you're a militia Republican group. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it, I don't remember all the details of it, but but basically an armed standoff in Malheur County uh, at a wildlife refuge. Against um, the power of the government. Against because the power of the they're not anti-government correct well they weren't they weren't in they weren't part of the standoff they showed up after it had started in order to quote prevent a waco like incident from taking place so they've also provided security for patriot prayer they've provided security for like other lot, other anti-government group. groups because they're not anti yeah i know i, I got it yeah yeah. yeah yeah okay so anyway that's that's enough about those guys um another interesting thing is are you guys familiar with the subreddit the donald oh yes you saw this with the yeah. why? Oh, of course you did. You sent it to us. We had a little group chat. Yeah, yeah go ahead. So, What's the story? What's the story? The Donald, the underscore Donald, is a subreddit 
has basically been the de facto Donald Trump fan club on Reddit. Semi don't really take themselves seriously, but there's a lot of nastiness that goes on in there. There's a lot of brigading, which is where they go to different subreddits and all comment and vote and take over other other articles uh, to take over the comment section of articles and and other like they've they skirted sound like lovely people. I know they have skirted the rules of Reddit for a while. And this particular incident caused them to get quarantined, which is basically they're not searchable and they're kind of in like you have to go specifically to their site. You can't find it on Google. It's not indexed on Google. It's it's quarantined because to your point earlier, up until about 30 minutes ago, we were the Blue Lives Matter pro-police party and it flipped immediately. There were, there were calls. I mean, this is a website that is not Oregon specific. This is, you know, Donald Trump. Everybody all over the country. And they started calling for violence against police officers and violence against the government. And uh, this is like quarantining is the first step toward getting banned entirely. To your point too, and I know we've all kind of seen some comments on Facebook, but I had one of my more liberal friends on Facebook comment about how she doesn't, about how he didn't did not understand why Kate Brown was not sending out the Oregon National Guard to confront the three percenters and to just go and kill them. Because if they want to show up at the Capitol armed, they should be prepared for the consequences. And this guy didn't care what the consequences were. And my whole comment was, do you want a civil war? Because this is how you get another civil war. And I even said this on our private thread too, you know, when I asked what you thought about what I thought about Boquist comments, my initial reaction was like, yeah, woo! Followed by, no, that's mortifying and terrible. Why would you say that you're a bad person? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, because there can be an initial reaction of like, that's so badass, go and take it to the man. But like, no, you're talking about murdering people and you're hoping they're not fathers. Yeah. Or, or, or husbands. Like that's, that's really dark. <laughs> that's not a good. So that, yeah. I will say there, there are circumstances where a civil war might be the only answer. I would say we went through one, i.e. slavery. Well, and I think this got really dark again. <laughs> well, well, but so I think- I'm not not to not to say that this is again this is not at all compared to that. No, but when you when you start having state legislatures or people in the state legislature going and threatening to murder police, when okay. you have militias going and showing up heavily armed to the state capitol, when you have people on the left going, why don't we just send the National Guard to kill them all? That is how a catalyst could start to provoke such a thing. Agreed. And this hyperpartisan whatever we're dealing with now is in no way compared, you know, no way as bad as as slavery or, you know, the things that are going on in other countries that I think I don't know. I've said this before, you know, the the Second Amendment the purpose of the Second Amendment is to protect against a tyrannical government. If the government becomes tyrannical, that is your last final line of defense. But there's like this is not and, at uh, all that. Yeah. This and, is not that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you are correct. But yeah, like there's a there's a titanic difference between slavery and cap and trade. a bill that's going to pass <laughs> in a state. That's just like, well, all right, if we don't totally like it, agree. Just, well, let's just go elect more Republicans next time because Republicans could have stopped this and figured this out. Like, totally agree. I'm- Whoa, like this escalated real fast. <laughs> but I will also say, too, that people like Senator Boquist did us no good service in taking a great opportunity to go and explain why this bill was bad to the people, to go and explain why we're hiding out in Idaho, to explain why this could be detrimental to the economy. And instead, he went straight to murder train. 
And when you do that, you lose all amount of respectability. You lose all amount of any kind of measure to speak on, a, on any kind of higher moral authority. You've thrown that down the drain when you're saying, this bill is so bad, I'm willing to murder cops over it. Okay. So, I'll, well, I'll bump on that for a minute because I think today there was a ginormous rally down at the Capitol of people protesting and everything. And this has happened well, one or two other times over the last few weeks, well, probably the last like week or two, where people have come in wide swaths to protest HB 2020. I don't think it's unknown to certainly the governor and the state legislators that people massively oppose this bill. This is a power grab from the Democrats, and they're trying of course to shove they it down know people's that. throats. And I don't think to John Q. Oregonian in here in Portland or in Baker or McMinnville or Cannon Beach or whatever. I think if you are somewhat engaged with just general news, you're now aware of HB 2020 and you're understanding, even if you're not opposed, you're at least understanding why people are so diametrically opposed to this bill. I think that, yes, certainly while what he said was wrong, I don't think it's completely groundless or completely without merit in assuming that people just didn't know like what it was that they were fighting for like i think the argument had been made to the people very well and like i i don't know how scientific they are but like people have been sharing polls all over facebook of like should republicans come back and vote on hp 2020 and it's pretty overwhelming like people say no people support the walkout people support the oregon 11 people support the cap kills jobs like all those hashtags like those are very very popular things that are going on It'll be really interesting to see what happens from this from a strategy or from a legislative point of view, because this is very divisive and it depends on which, which groups you're part of, which groups you're following, whether people are totally for this or totally against it. And again, a lot of my leftist stuff I'm getting from Reddit, which is just, they cannot shut up about how terrible <clears throat> this is and they're calling people names and it's kind of their own little echo chamber. We've got our echo chamber. So I'm curious if this is going to divide us further. And as a minority party, not really a strategically not a good thing to be this divisive. I will say, too, in my incredible disappointment of the national and international coverage has been just how the simplification that people put on this. Here's a cap and trade climate fighting bill. Republicans hate it. We're bad Republicans. They left. They don't even talk about what's in the bill. Mm-hmm. They don't dissect it. They probably never read it. They don't realize the giant cutouts Democrats made for the people that support them financially uh, through lobbying and what. Like they don't talk about any of that. It's just here. Here's a bill that fights climate change. Republicans are climate science deniers. Therefore, they're being a bunch of crybabies. And then this guy threatened to kill people. Well, okay, that part is a fair criticism. But, um, <laughs> but the rest is just like. But you'd never even. Decided to even parse it out. I did see one good international coverage, and actually, ironically, was from the BBC. They did go a lot more in-depth as to actual protests and reasons of protest the Republicans had about this bill. But they were the only ones. Everyone else was just very much just, again, Vox, Vanity Fair. What else did I read? A bunch of other things. They, they just very much went more ignorant Republicans, you know, going and drinking off oil companies. Like, it's like that, that's not the case in this instance. It's not the case. We may lose our not explicit rating <laughs> on this podcast. 
I don't know. How this I am is gonna so work. much more explicit than my other podcast. I've been so restrained right now. I deserve a medal. But I, I, mean, I think that you're right. Like the coverage at a national level and at probably at an international level boils down to the SpongeBob meme that's like the chicken walk in caps and lowercase letters of Republicans are climate deniers, <laughs> and it's like, and that's that's the extent of the discussion. And then it dives into it. Well, they left the state, and look at them. They're not doing their jobs, and the governor had to send the cops after them. To your point, if you were a not even like you don't have to do a deep dive, like just talk about what's in the bill, like talk about the taxes. O P B O P B, which people you'd be pretty left like destroyed this bill in a twenty minute segment of how bad it was written. Yeah, like this is not O P B. Just wing nutty Republicans like this is a bad bill. This is a bad bill that Democrats are trying to shove down the throat of Oregonians because, yeah, they've got the governor and the state Senate and the state house both in super majorities and they can do whatever they want. And this is the only way that Republicans have to stop a really bad bill. And all Republicans are literally asking is send it to the voters. Yep. Have we not talked about that yet? We have not talked about that yet. Nope. They have literally just said, if you send this to the voters, we will come back. Promise to send it to the voters. Let them decide. Because the Oregon Democrats have been really good lately about taking things that Oregon voters have decided that they don't want and voting for them anyways, because F you. Is that PG? I think so. Awesome. We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) The Rational Republican now rated R for (laughs) rational? (laughs) Rational. So that's another thing is this emergency clause that's in this thing. So this oh, is a 10-year plan, you know, multi-huge, hundreds of pages of, and then they, they call it an emergency. So, and this goes to the uh, referring to for a vote. And if I understand this correctly, basically what the emergency clause does is the bill takes effect immediately. Normally without an emergency clause, it would take place 91 days or the first year, the next first day of the next year, or some, yeah. something like that. There's a there's like a, like a let's get into compliance period. Yes, because otherwise it would just just sideswipe basically everybody, right? And hurt them real bad because if one day you're in compliance, tomorrow you're not, and all of a sudden here's a thirty thousand dollar fine from the state, and this is what you need to fix. By a, like, I don't have this money. Like, I didn't see this coming. What? Right. So but that seems fine. The, <laughs> this is it's fine. probably it's fine. another meme. <laughs> yeah. This is uh you need a YouTube show is what you need. All of your references would be great on I well, we, we, had, we had a conversation. It's like, <laughs> oh man, we just put ourselves on YouTube. I just have these big things behind me of just all the memes just, just that I'm green screen this them. meme right here <laughs> like, behind what's me. Behind me? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll um, get a green screen next time. It'll be great. There it is. <laughs> Perfect. But the the other thing the emergency clause does. So without an emergency clause, I believe during that period of time, anybody who's opposed to it can go gather signatures. If they get enough signatures, it is then referred to a vote at the next election cycle. So the next election cycle being November 2020, and a lot of these cap-and-trade things are supposed to go into effect January 2021. So the Democrats are saying, well, if we wait until 2020, the end of 2020, we're not going to have enough time to put all this bureaucracy in place to actually do anything by 2021, hence the emergency clause. However, that's not what emergency clauses are for. <laughs> emergency clauses are not. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. They're not to go and sideswipe. Democrats are oh, hold on. Their Wait power? a second. I've never heard of this. James, oh. it sounds like you're being a little bit of a party pooper here. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a negative Nancy. Right. So well, does anybody, that seems like a valid thing for Republicans who are saying, send it to the voters, and Democrats are like, 
No, we're gonna. We got this little loophole. We're gonna. No, we've done that before. They don't like what we do. Yeah. So you know what? Hard pass. Also emergency. Emergency. Yep. <laughs> and uh, did y'all see the pie chart that went around? I don't. Know, it's like somewhere on Facebook that was like the the graph of total emissions of carbon in the United States, and then somebody looked at. Oregon and it's like point zero zero one four percent or something like that and it's like here's the effect that HB twenty twenty will have and it's like yeah and, it, tell me where the emergency is and we talked to it sounds um, dire to me all right <laughs> so we had a podcast with Representative Bonham a while back and he did a really good job of of talking about this how this would really just push businesses outside of Oregon so like if you keep your business that pollutes a lot in Oregon. You have to pay these fines. You have to go jump all these hoops. But if you move to Idaho and truck all your stuff in, you don't have to follow those rules. That's the thing with state borders is you can go across them pretty easily. <laughs> Novel and concept. So now instead of Interstate having... Interstate Commerce Clause. Now instead of having... <laughs> it has a theme song. <laughs> p- polluters in Oregon. Now you have the same pollution happening in <laughs> in Idaho. <laughs> I don't and even know why you guys invite me. <laughs> I, one of these days, we got to get to be like, if we ever have like Buku bucks, like Buku podcast dollars to just like spend on things, we just got to get like a little board with like buttons where it's like we can push a button and it plays that song or something. Well, we can no, add you just add it and post, dude. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the wonders <laughs> of technology. <laughs> just say insert button here and then I'll add it later. And then we can do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like quite literally in the, in the last episode of my last podcast I did, uh, we made a joke of how they, after something I said, there had to be a, uh, the sound of the eagle scream. And I was like, oh, that, that would be funny. I listened to it. Oh my God, he did it. It's <laughs> fantastic. I'm so happy right now. I don't care about the rest of the episode. That was a thing that happened. The magic of editing. So oh, this, this bill in general is corporate welfare. It's picking winners and losers. It's not going to help the environment. It's carving out. Benefits for people who support Democrats and letting everybody else pay. And so the Republicans walked out over it, which is totally within their rights. It's a political protest. Like, let's call it what it, it is. is. Civil disobedience. Yeah. Like, since we're all, all things about- that Democrats have supported when it's their team and their side. Exactly. And they have done it before in this state, too. Let Kate us Brown not forget. Herself. Yeah. Y'all let us not forget quote. to mention that Kate Brown led one of these same walkouts over something that she did not like. And she was perfectly fine with it yeah when, she when was it's her team yep and that's and i for what it's worth i grew up in texas and the democrats in texas did the same thing they went to new mexico in like 2002 or 2003 over redistricting and they were just like we're just going to deny a quorum and not let people vote on this and at the time i remember being like well i never <laughs> <laughs> these people are supposed to go do their jobs and they just went to new mexico and that's not okay and i get like, it it's hatch chili season but still still is, uh, hatch chilies are legit for any i, I don't know, know it's probably just you and i don't i don't know any uh, if we have any listeners in new mexico golf clap for you guys you have a wonderful product sure but, like, do when it, you know when it's when it's the other side like everybody's gonna get indignant or whatever but at the end of the day, it's like, I, I appreciate the fact that you just kind of spelled it out because for any, if you're on the center or the left and you've somehow made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> God bless you. But strength it, and fortitude. Yeah. But that is important to kind of understand, like, this is not just three Republicans just kind of belly aching. Like, this is an actual bad bill. This will cost Oregonians billions of dollars and affect 
it's you know this isn't just big companies where this is all of us this is gas taxes this is more expensive groceries like this will affect all oregonians this is a bad bill and specifically it's going to go and hurt rural oregonians the most and i think that's why the democrats don't care it seems like like this is your punishment for not agreeing with us this is your punishment for not moving to portland or salem or eugene or whatever suck it harney county <laughs> And with that, I think we're getting to the end of the podcast. Can um, I just send my love to Harney County? You have a beautiful county out there. I, it, I've been there before. Um, Crane is a lovely town. Your hot springs are great. I met someone from Crane that actually works at my work. Uh, she was a Crane Mustang. And you have delicious beef. I had some of your cattle. I love it. Great. I don't delicious think, I don't know if I've ever been there. Crane, if you want to anyway. support our podcast. <laughs> All right. Come on up. We need sponsors. Um, so anyway, what we're doing at the end of podcasts now is asking our guest, who is your favorite Republican, past, present, or future? Uh, Richard Nixon, hands down. Richard Nixon. Okay. Sorry, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Big ups. Care, Unknowing care the to, middle name. Golf yeah, yeah. Up. Care yeah, to yeah. elaborate slightly on a, your unconventional pick? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean... I, to me, Nixon represented, outside of his absolute delusional paranoia, oh, that's a big one, shoot, um, outside <laughs> oh, and, of his delusional, well, and again, that was his paranoia, he was going to win the 1972 when election. the president does it, it's not illegal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was going to win the 1972 election in a landslide anyways, and yet still decided to cheat, which was dumb, that's how paranoid he was. However, when you go and create the EPA, when you go and create Title IX, when you go and create... Um, open relations with China. <laughs> open relationship with China, you know, better talks with the Soviet Union when you go and do exactly what what Obama promised to do in Afghanistan, which was bring the war in Vietnam to a like tumultuous uprising to bring it to an actual end because your predecessor, Johnson, decided he'd rather profit off of military contractors than, than lose a war. He admitted did not want to be the first president to lose a war. So he kept going while profiting off of that. And yet Nixon's the bad guy for trying to end it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, he represented, I think, a lot of what was actually really good about conservatism at the time outside of his delusional paranoia and um, <coughs> anti-Semitism crimes. and <laughs> crimes against democracy. and <laughs> But when you look at his actual achievements and his actual accomplishments are some of the best of any president in the 20th century. And I would, I would, I would take his accomplishments to almost any other president in the 20th century and say, this guy probably did more for the betterment of this country. And if he wasn't, you know, an anti-Semitic criminal paranoid person alcoholic uh he probably would have been viewed as one of the best presidents in u.s history so if you take only. if you take away the bad and only look at the good uh also I, two theme songs we got tonight yeah i also uh in when i was at psu i was taking a uh, corruption in u.s politics class and my professor on day one said if, he said i'm a far left progressive liberal and if you have different beliefs you're gonna have a hard time in my class and I went, <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> and I kept trying to bring up Democrat corruption because he like could not think of any times the Democrats were ever corrupt in this country. And I was just like beating my head against the wall. Like I brought up like Charlie, uh, you know, Rehnquist and his, you know, being part of the uh, Ways and Means Committee. And I'm like, he should I met him once. That guy no nuts. tax law. He writes them and he's breaking them all. I don't see corruption. <laughs> um, but his favorite kicking boy was Richard Nixon so I wrote um, my final paper 15 pages called In Defense of Richard M. Nixon Nice. and I went through all of the articles of impeachment against Nixon and showed how Kennedy and Johnson basically did all of the same things and in some cases to slightly lesser extents but all of the same things that Nixon did and, and yet they're viewed glowingly and Nixon is not I'm like eh. 
Okay, there were crimes. Anyways, <laughs> we have not on this podcast gotten Richard Nixon before. Nope. That is a new answer. <laughs> nice work. Nice. Hot done. take. Hot take. <laughs> hot take from a hot gentleman. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, as I say on my other podcast, the uh, the best dressed man in podcasting. That's true, and it's unfortunate I'm, we yeah. can't see him. He's in a three-piece suit tonight. Yeah, exactly. This is YouTube, man. we got to get on YouTube. I know. <laughs> it's way more work. Yeah. And on that note, uh, we're going to end. Listeners, thank you so much, and tune in next time for more rational Republicaning. <laughs> more rational, more Republican. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Rational Republican. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or you can listen on our website, jamesaball.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, and if you're feeling extra generous, you can visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash rationalrepublican. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.